0: and be in prayer.
1: Marching defenseless into battle is a surefire formula for defeat. That's why God gives His children a suit of armor for the arena of spiritual warfare. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah profiles the first piece of that armor, designed to help you press forward into battle with the enemy. From the series Spiritual Warfare, here's David to introduce today's message, The Girdle of Truth. Well, as you know, uh, this, this series on
0: spiritual warfare uh, is using the Roman, Roman soldier and his armament to illustrate how we fight our battle as Christians. And uh, we are told to put on the whole armor of God, and then we're told what that armor is. Uh, This passage from Ephesians chapter 6, the writings of the Apostle Paul, is a very important portion of God's Word. We study it verse by verse, implement by implement, and I hope it will spark some additional study on your part, because this is a very important portion of God's Word. We will come back to this portion, to this series, many times in the future because it is critical for survival in the day in which we live. And every time we air this series, which is maybe every five years, every four years, I think to myself, it's way more difficult now than it was when we started. This is way more important than it was when we preached it the first time. So listen carefully, apply these truths to your hearts, and uh, become a champion for Christ. That's our hope and our prayer. Well, today we talk about the girdle of truth, and, and the girdle of truth uh, for the Roman soldier was a kind of like a harness that went around his waist, held all of his implements. It was like a. Um, sometimes we see soldiers uh, today, or we see police people who have on a vest. It's kind of like that, only uh, outwardly. And it's interesting that what holds everything together for the Roman soldier and for every Christian. Is the girdle, but for the Christian, it's the girdle of truth. I've said this over and over again. More recently, many times. If you have the truth, you have some place to go. If you don't have the truth, you're lost. Without the truth, you're set loose on a sea of uncertainty. It happens to be where most people are living today. So these next two days are really important. Let's find out what Paul had to say about it. Ephesians chapter six, verse fourteen: the girdle of truth.
2: We've learned that our enemy with whom we are involved in mortal combat is none other than Satan himself. As we learn his names, we also learn he's a powerful enemy who not only is a ruler and a prince, but as we learn, he's the God of this age. The Bible speaks of the wiles of Satan, so we know he's armed with many strategies. He wants to deceive us, for he is the great deceiver. He wants to deceive us because he wants to divide us. He is the great divider and he wants to divide us because he is the great divider and ultimately he wants to destroy us. He wants to deceive us, to divide us so that ultimately he can destroy us. Now his ultimate goal as we have learned is destruction. He deceives and he divides in order that he might destroy. His purpose is that he might cast every one of us into a Christless hell so that we'll be separated from God forever. And since he cannot do that if we are believers who have put our trust in Christ, his second plan is to drown that testimony that God has given us and keep us from being useful to the Lord, perhaps even being destructive in the Christian faith. But we are not left helpless against this enemy. We have learned that. And the Bible is teaching us that there is a way for us to be victorious. We are not left helpless because 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is in us? Christ. Who is in the world? Satan. John tells us that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. And with Christ living in us, we are able to resist the devil. And when we resist him in the power of Christ, he has to leave us. Resisting the devil in the power of Christ is what the apostle means when he tells us in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God. And in this armor, there are six pieces. Five of these pieces are defensive and one is offensive all six of these pieces of armor are necessary no part of our life can be left unprotected or exposed the bible doesn't tell us to choose four or five out of these pieces of armor whichever ones we want and to implement them no we are told to put on notice the whole armor of god any piece of armor we refuse to use will leave us unguarded in some vulnerable place and we will surely be prey to the enemy It is important to note that God has provided no protection for our back. He expects no deserters in his army. He wants us all to stand and face the enemy and not run away as cowards. And as we look at the armor that is listed for us in the book of Ephesians, it is quite apparent that the armor is nothing less than Jesus Christ himself. The armor is Christ. In fact, when Paul wrote to the Romans, he said something very similar to what we find in Ephesians. He said in Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you put on the armor, put on Jesus Christ. In essence, he is telling us that we are to wear Christ like we wear a suit of clothes. Better, we are to wear Christ as the armor. And listen to me, the verse in Romans chapter 13 has only seven words. The seven verses of Ephesians literally give us a commentary of the seven words of Romans. When we put on the armor, we are putting on Christ and going forward in his strength to do the battle. The Bible tells us that it is our responsibility to put on the armor. The armor belongs to us. Someone has said, he makes the armor, we take the armor. We have the responsibility to implement that ourselves. The Bible doesn't say wait for God to put it on you, but put it on yourself. Your responsibility, my responsibility is to close ourselves with this armor, the armor of God. We are involved in a personal and private battle with Satan. It is not something we fight as a group. We fight it individually. And if we are not individually and personally and privately implementing the warrior's armor, we are going to be victims instead of victors. Putting on the armor of God is our personal duty. No one can do it for us. It is our primary duty. Nothing is more important. And it is our perpetual duty. It has a never-ending responsibility. We are to be continually over and over again appropriating these truths to our lives and arming ourselves for the warfare. Now Paul begins by telling us that as we're putting on the armor, the first thing we need to put on, it says in the scripture, the girdle of truth. We're to gird our waist with the truth. It might seem strange that the apostle starts here because believe it or not, the Roman soldier never considered his girdle or this waistband that he wore he never thought that to be part of his armor in fact this six inch belt which fastened around the middle was made out of leather or linen and it was a common piece of dress that was worn by almost all romans not just the soldiers in this text god does not use the girdle as the romans did no roman would ever have called this part of his armor He would have understood its place as the armor was used but he would not have considered this to be part of his armor it was a normal part of his dress in paul's day the girdle which was worn outside the long flowing robe served at least three purposes which help us understand why we must put on this truth this piece of armor first of all the girdle was used for advancing let me explain what i mean listen to what peter said in first peter 1 13. he said therefore gird up the loins of your mind when a roman was interested in moving from one place to another rapidly he would pull up his long flowing robe that he wore and he would tuck it inside the belt that he wore around the middle of his body He would do this so that the robe would not hinder him when he was running or advancing. So the belt was used to hold the long flowing robe so that he could advance in warfare. When a soldier from the Roman garrison was sent into battle, he would do the same thing. He would take his long flowing robe and tuck the ends of it into the girdle to free up his legs and to keep him from tripping. Paul is telling the Ephesians that they are to put on this girdle of truth and that if they do that, it will fit them for the battle. It is the first thing they are to do. It is the primary thing they do. And perhaps it is a reminder to us of what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12.1. Listen to this. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The girdle of truth which was the first part of the armor which paul tells us to put on was first of all for the purpose of helping us advance and you'll see how this all fits together in a moment it was also important for attacking not just for advancing the soldier also used the girdle to support the weapons that he carried the swordsman for instance would fasten his girdle across his shoulder so that he could suspend his sword from it and he would use this to hold his sword close to his body so he would have access to it immediately in the time of conflict the bowman would use the girdle to support the quiver in which he kept all of his arrows so he could get to them quickly this was a very important piece of the equipment that a soldier wore it was important for advancing and for attacking and there was one other simple thing that happened it was important for awarding because when a Roman soldier was awarded with a medal, he pinned it on this girdle that he wore around his waist. It was the way you could determine whether or not a soldier had been in battle before. And if you saw him coming and he had a lot of medallions, you would know he was a decorated soldier and one perhaps that you should be wary of. Now that was the purpose of the girdle of truth in the Roman days. It held up the robes when it was time to advance. It held in the armor that they used to fight against the enemy. But what was the power of it? And here's where we need to understand what Paul is teaching us. He says, this girdle has as its nomenclature, truth. This piece that we wear around us is called truth. It is interesting that it is the first piece of armor. At the very foundation of the soldier's armor is truth. The battle over truth, as you know, is raging in our day. Assessing the popular view of truth, one writer puts it this way, truth in any objective or absolute sense, truth that is independent of the mind of the knower, no longer exists. A simple way to illustrate this is in the story of three baseball umpires debating their philosophies of umpiring. Listen to this. The first one says, there's balls and there's strikes, and I call them the way they are. The second one says, that's arrogant. There's balls and there's strikes and I call them the way I see them. That's no better, said the third. Why beat around the bush? Why not be realistic about what we do? There's balls and there's strikes and ain't nothing till I call them. (laughs) The first umpire represents the traditional view of truth, objective, independent of the mind of the knower. It's there to be discovered. The second umpire speaks for moderate relativism, truth as each person sees it according to his or her perspective or interpretation. And the third umpire bluntly expresses the postmodern position that truth is there to be discovered. No, it is for each of us to create our own truth and to speak our own truth into the situation. They ain't nothing unless I call them balls or strikes. But as Christians... We cannot borrow from the philosophy of this world. As Christians, we must insist on the objective truth of God's Word. Truth isn't about our perspective or our perceptions, it's always about reality. A majority of us could agree that we'd like gravity to be suspended tomorrow, but our vote would have no impact on reality. Americans embrace democratic ideals, and that gives us the illusion that we should have a voice when it comes to truth. But the universe isn't a democracy, and truth isn't a ballot measure. You and I can discover truth, but we cannot create it. What's true is true, and what's not is not for all of us all the time. Our culture views truth as something inside of us, subjective to revision according to our growth and enlightenment but scripture views truth as something outside of us which we can believe or not believe but it is still the truth no matter what we do to it sometimes people say well i don't believe this and i get the impression that they think that because they don't believe it that it seems no longer to be true well let me tell you something truth is truth whether you believe it or not truth is not touched by your emotions by your opinion by your perception and that is what's being lost in our culture today today there is no absolute truth anymore today in our culture your truth might be different than my truth but it doesn't really matter isn't all truth just kind of truth no it's not in a world so confused about truth many people say if you are christians and you think you know the truth isn't that arrogant on your part But it's not arrogant to believe what the Bible teaches. In fact, it's the opposite. Arrogance is when we try to tailor truth to our preferences. I had a lady say to me one time, we were talking about punishment, and we might even have been talking about hell, I'm not sure. But she said, Dr. Jeremiah, I need you to know, my God would never send anybody to hell. And I said, you're absolutely right, because your God doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist because you don't get the right to create the God you want so that you can make him do what you want him to do. When I was involved in the educational part of what we do here, I used to get in trouble with the accrediting people because the accrediting people want us to have what they call the pursuit of truth. We need to have absolute open minds so we're seeking truth. One day, one of the people who worked in the accrediting people was asking me this question because we'd had kind of a little testy moment in one of the meetings. So he said, what is the difference between what you do in your school and what we're trying to do in the other schools? And I was just a little bit upset and didn't have a lot of patience at this moment in time. I said, well, here's the difference. We've found the truth and you all are still looking for it that's it that's really the difference isn't it and we should not be embarrassed to say that the truth is the word of god we have found it i wasn't trying to be a smart aleck i was simply saying that if you found the truth about who god is and how the world was created why do you want to spend all of your waking hours trying to discover truth that you already know if you don't believe that truth is in this book then search on my friend but if you're a christian and you believe god has spoken and it is true why spend all of your waking hours trying to find some kind of truth that isn't going to be true when you find it (laughs) the word of God is true and this is the difference you see what is Satan trying to do he's trying to deceive what does that mean he's trying to throw things at us that are not true if you want to identify a crooked stick the best thing you can do is lay a straight stick down next to it it'll show up in a minute won't it if you got a crooked stick is this crooked or not well let me see here's a straight one oh my goodness that's a crooked stick do you know how to deal with the deceit of satan lay the straight stick of god's word right down next to it and you will spot it every time they tell me that when you join the fbi and you're being taught to identify bogus bills counterfeit money they spend almost no time examining counterfeit money They teach their agents to understand the dynamics of a real bill, and when they know what a real bill looks like, they can spot a phony bill in a moment. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what we have been called to do. The way we deal with the deceiver is by implementing God's truth in our own lives. Christ the truth and the true God is our armor against the attacks of Satan. One of my favorite writers is a guy by the name of Randy Alcorn and he explains it this way he says all truth has a center of gravity and jesus christ who declared i am the way the truth and the life is the center of gravity of all christians truth he didn't say he would show the truth or teach the truth or model the truth he said i am the truth and truth is personified in jesus christ he is the source of truth and the references point all of them to him as the truth And that's why if you get it wrong about Jesus it doesn't matter what else you get right because he's the center of truth Jesus Christ is the truth and when we arm ourselves with him we are ready to face the lies and the deceit of the enemy now the common explanation of what this means ought to be evident to all of us how do we arm ourselves with the truth What Paul is teaching us here is that the believer in order to do battle with the enemy needs to know the truth, the truth about God, the truth about Christ and the truth, which is in this book we call the Bible why have i chosen to be a teacher because in my heart i understand that what people need today is the truth they don't need three points and a poem they don't need some little ditty which is a church light for christianettes they need the truth they need the truth of god's word we have never needed it before now like we need it now and it has never been so scarce as it is now And therefore, we are falling prey to all of the deceptions that come into the church. And so every day you turn around and you wonder, what in the world is going to happen next? And there seems to be very little discernment because, once again, the way you can determine when something isn't right is because you have studied and you know what is right and what is phony and wrong begins to show up immediately when it's measured against the truth. When Jesus Christ was encountered by Satan in the wilderness— He used the truth. Do you know what he said when Satan tempted him? He said, it is written. And then he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy verses that offset the temptation that Satan was bringing against him. So I can't emphasize this enough. I think this is a clear call to all of us for a reaffirmation on the part of every Christian to an in-depth study of doctrine. Doctrine is systemized truth. Doctrine is the truth of the Word of God organized and categorized so that we can think clearly about the issues of life. In the preparation for this series, I've been reading this book that was written by Stu Weber called The Spirit Warrior. And here's what he says about the Scriptures. He says, the Christian soldier must possess a strong, unshakable conviction in the reliability of Scripture and in its living power to impact the battlefield. You must not allow yourselves to drift in your thinking, especially in this postmodern world that sees truth as individually centered and fluid and culturally constructed. You must also demonstrate a facility with Scripture, becoming conversant with its pages and principles on a level that is wholly involved in the dailiness of life. Every good spirit warrior constantly asks himself this question, what does the Bible say about this? about that about anything and usually if he doesn't know exactly he studied enough to know where he can find the answer you don't have to know all the answers by heart but you should know your bibles well enough to know that there are certain places where you're going to find some answers to the questions people are asking and you will know where to go and where to find them that's what it means to begin to be spiritually alert so that you can use the truth of god in this undiscerning generation. I hope you hear my heart on this. When we understand this, it makes the glowing ignorance of so much of Christianity really stick out and look ugly. You know, some of us, we know only enough about Christianity to carry on an intelligent conversation with another equally uninformed believer. And that sets us up for defeat. We're just waiting to be victimized by the enemy. If you want to survive the battle and weather the warfare, you got to master the truth. The whole comprehensive counsel of God, the truth of God's revelation. And So you have to ask yourself, am I involved in some kind of regular, rigorous regimen of Bible study? Do I study the Bible? If not, what in the world are you doing? Hmm.
0: That's a really good question, isn't it? What are you doing? It would be like going into war without any weapons walking into the middle of a a gunfight with no gun. And uh, that's why we're seeing so much defeat among Christians. We're trying to fight the battle without the resources God has given us so that we can be winners. And I hope you'll get a hold of that during this month as we talk about spiritual warfare. Hey, I'm so excited about our resource for this month. I'm going to talk about it every day, just a little bit. Uh, It's the book that we have called Answers to Questions about Spiritual Warfare. This is one of those subjects that is kind of mysterious to a lot of people. It includes, for instance, uh, discussions of demons. What are demons? Do we believe in demons? Can a person be demon-possessed and be a Christian? Uh, Well, all of those questions we've tried to answer in a concise way in this little book. It's a hardback little gift book. We'll send it to you for a gift of any size during the month of June. Will you help us in this last month? This is our final month of the fiscal year. We need your help. So ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Thank you ahead of time. God bless you. We see you tomorrow.
1: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current teaching series, Spiritual Warfare, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It's filled with strategies for fighting the forces of evil, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords, Turning Point Ministries, to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Spiritual Warfare, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible Strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible Strong, you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash